This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food, Food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, Brexit is something that's happened what seems like a long time ago. It happened in 2016 when Britain held a referendum and by 52% to 48%, Britain decided to leave the European Union. It's something that has the most profound effects. In fact, many people believe we won't really understand the full impact of Brexit for some time to come. And we're joined now by one of Britain's most distinguished journalists. Uh, John Kampfner is an author as well as a journalist. His most recent book is Why the Germans Do It Better, Notes from a Grown-Up Country. And he's currently writing a book about Berlin to be released uh, later this year. Uh, John, thank you very much for joining us. I don't want to be presumptuous, but it seems to me looking at the history of Brexit, that it really was Nigel Farage, his success with the UKIP party. They won 24 seats in the 2014 European election. They won 3.8 million votes in the 2015 British general election. And they were calling all the time for a referendum on Brexit. And David Cameron, the British Prime Minister, Tory Prime Minister of the time, conceded that uh, this referendum would take place. And is it fair to say, John, that nothing has been the same ever since because this allowed the great Boris Johnson to come to national attention? Uh, hi, Eamon. I mean, how long have you got? It, um, <laughs> we, we, it is. We've got half an hour, John. Exactly. Well, um, where do we begin? It is fair to say that the bit I think everybody would agree on is things have never been the same since, and they won't be. Uh, whatever happens until now, it is one of those great caesura moments in any country's history. Its ramifications are, as you say, only still beginning to work their way through. People will not properly understand what befell Britain uh, for some time to come. On the causes of Brexit, you can already see, in fact, they're already happening, um, political studies, essay questions, undergraduate, postgraduate, 
A-level, you name it, around the world, what were the causes of Brexit? A bit like what were the causes of the First World War or the Second World War yes. or something like that. And there are many of them. Uh, the Farage victory in the European elections in 2014 was one of them. It led Cameron to think, um, I need to slay this, you know, I'm mixing my metaphors here, this turbulent priest within my ranks, um, and I can and I will achieve it. There are, Anthony Selden wrote a very good book, The Guilty Men, and there are many guilty men and the odd woman involved. Farage is obviously the pantomime villain, the person, Britain's prototype Donald Trump Yes, um, at an early stage. Populism in that form wasn't unique and it wasn't uh, completely novel. Jean-Marie Le Pen in France, uh, Viktor Orban in Hungary was already at it. Uh, the Tea Party movement in America and yes. so he wasn't the first, but he was in the early group. Then you have David Cameron, who thought, oh, this is easy peasy, as all all good Etonian young men think, <laughs> you know, I can do it. I'm rather good at this. I'm just going to get rid of this beastly um, man. You have Jeremy Corbyn, who did yes. absolutely nothing during the referendum. And, you know, we always think, oh, this was this great moment when Britain decided it only decided by a wafer-thin majority. And if Corbyn had got off his backside and uh, foregone his ridiculous Lexit, his sort of leftist interpretation yes. of Brexit as some giant capitalist conspiracy, uh, the, the European Union, then things would have been very different. Cameron was complacent. Osborne was complacent. And the real villain of the piece was Boris Johnson, in that he didn't believe in any of it. No, he, he, he famously wrote, I should tell our listeners, I'm, sh I'm sure they perhaps know, but uh, he wrote for the Telegraph, he's writing for Telegraph at the time, he wrote two pieces. One was pro-Brexit and one was uh, pro-Remain. And yeah, no, he, he had two versions ready to go. He was humming and hawing. Um, which which way to go? And I mentioned Andy Selden already. He's done this very good uh, book, which is being serialised at the moment in the Times and the Sunday Times. Um, and Anthony Selden's latest extract quotes Johnson as saying, "Within minutes of winning the referendum, quote, we've got no plan. Holy crap." <laughs> Yes, that's been the story of much of his life. Do you, the, the, is it too simplistic to say that this was an outbreak of English nationalism, or was it something? It was was it that and something else as well? It was so many things. I've never thought Brexit was, or the referendum result, was the cause of anything. I've always thought it was the symptom. Yes. Of so many things. Dean Acheson, the former U.S. Secretary of State, famously said back in the 1950s, Britain has lost an empire and has yet to yes. find a role. And that, in some ways, that is it. It was this, it's what I write in Why the Germans Do It Better, it's, it's this constant sort of singing Rule Britannia in the bath is the sort of balm for, for Brits, or rather, as you correctly identify, for English people who fret about the diminished status of their country. 
And for as long as this continues, and it continues even now, I mean, Rishi Sunak absurdly said last week in uh, at the time when Joe Biden had been in Ireland and had pretty much given the Brits short shrift in Northern Ireland and yes. lavished uh, the Irish government and the Irish people with praise over several days. Um, Sunak said, sort of airily said, oh, Britain remains a foreign policy superpower. <laughs> now, what that actually means is absolutely nothing, of course. But the fact that he felt impelled to say it is, is this sort of absurd knee-jerk stuff. And this was one of the things that impelled the Brexiteers, who were a combination of English nationalist upper-class twits, um, led by Johnson, Michael Gove, and others, and people who deserve more sympathy, the so-called left-behind people, the people who felt incredibly angry about the state of, of their lives. And, you know, I, I, I talked to so many people who somehow equated the fact that their life in, in Leicester or in Lancashire or in Yorkshire or in uh, the Northeast or wherever, their fate was inextricably bound up with the European Commission instead of looking closer to home. So the EU was the, uh, the whipping boy. And there's one other, um, I think, compelling cause behind it. And I blame Tony Blair as much as anybody else for this. Nobody in Britain, including people supportive of Britain's membership of the European Union, including people who wanted to make it even, well, wanted to make it closer, nobody ever made the case for Britain being in Europe. Yeah, well, I mean, the people who were making it, I think, were uh, the business community, certainly there were people in the Tory party making the case, but there were... And there always have been in the Tory party. I mean, Margaret Thatcher had to deal with her own Eurosceptics. And indeed, she was a Eurosceptic to a degree herself. But as recently as yesterday, Rishi Sunak is looking for access to European travel for UK passport holders so that it might be easier. Yesterday, the head of Burberry, which is a big manufacturer, clothes manufacturer, said that Brexit was a drag on growth. I think Britain's uh, GDP is the lowest in the G7, and that can also be attributed to Brexit and all the problems it's causing. What's really fascinating about it in, in many ways is that it spawned, I mean, it spawned all kinds of problems, but this European research group in that is at the heart of the Tory party's policy making now, uh, where you have people like Suella Braverman, pretty unpleasant people, actually. They're a consequence, aren't they? Uh, and they were the Brexiteers. And the Brexiteers, is the Tory party now more or less the Brexit party? Oh, yeah, it's been so for, for a long time. I mean, you'll get nowhere absolutely nowhere in the Tory party. And that's really been the case since 2016. You'll get absolutely, there's been an absolute purge yes. of anybody who uh, is anything but ardently enthusiastic 
um, in the face of all the evidence um, about Brexit. The and Rishi Sunak is an interesting case in point because unlike the crazy Liz Truss, who actually voted Remain, and yes. quite often the Remainers who re realized that they'd had to change their tune in order to have a future in the Tory party, they actually became among the worst zealots after yes. 2016. And uh, Sunak, rather taking a management consultancy business school approach to what he thought would be a sort of Singapore on Thames freedom for British business, that was his way of arguing for Brexit. He believed it, he argued for it, and he has to continue doing so, whether he actually believes in it anymore is is moot, but you know, he keeps on on banging the, the drum on that. And the Burberry guy who talked about growth uh, that you cited, he said that in front of Sunak. Yes. Uh, you know, all the evidence is that Britain has lost 4% of GDP since uh, leaving, not just since the referendum, since leaving the EU, but that's all enmeshed in uh, the afterwash of the pandemic. And so that's the excuse that the Brexiteers always fall upon. And the stats are worse than you cite him. Britain has the lowest growth performance and predictions of any country in the OECD, a much mm. larger group than the G7. And that includes Russia. I mean, Britain is the absolute basket case of developed world, quote unquote, economics. And to, uh, but the, the advocates of, of Brexit are in complete denial about it. As well, they might be, because what are you supposed to say? Uh, yeah, sorry, guys, got this one a bit wrong. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The, the other factor would be the red wall seat phenomenon. That is the Tories under Johnson's leadership winning those red wall seats where they do feel the impact of immigration. They resent foreigners taking their jobs and in many cases taking their towns. I know places in the north of England. I lived there for 17 years and not all in the north, but I know places like uh, Rochdale, Bury, towns, little towns, Blackburn, that are now wholly foreign, often Asian. And they are the red wall seats, aren't they? Yeah, no, and this is where Keir Starmer comes in. Because Starmer, I was talking to a European ambassador yesterday, and he was sort of completely perplexed by what Starmer is up to, um, saying absolutely nothing about Brexit at all times, uh, frightened stiff of this eponymous red wall voter, as if there is one person who is the Red Wall voter, who has identical views about everything. And the truth is far more subtle than that. But Starmer has taken a Trappist vow of silence on everything towards uh, regarding the European Union, fearing that all that uh, he will get is lost votes. And there is a very compelling argument to say that the argument has completely moved on from that. And there, there is an active and vigorous discussion, even if it's not taking place in the Conservative Party, even if it's not being reflected by the equally frightened BBC, there is an active discussion going on about the consequences of Brexit. And Starmer is nowhere to be seen on that. No, because he's afraid of a backlash from people. I mean, the red wall seats were uh, almost all Labour seats. And that part of the country, the North in particular, is a fertile area for a Labour Party seeking, you know, to overturn an 80-seat majority. It's dangerous stuff, isn't it? So there's another, there's a wider concern about Starmer, which is he is so wary of saying anything interesting about anything at any yes. time. So wary of um, acquiring for himself any sense of political definition. Yes. That if, as seems gradually to be the case, Sunak is restoring a sense of order and, you know, for the first time, Britain does not have, for the first time since 2016, Britain does not have a crazy government. Yes. It's got a government that's doing all kinds of things that we would disagree with, um, but it is behaving in a relatively grown-up Fashion. Yeah, that Rishi Sunak example last week, his willingness to allow himself to be kind of humiliated uh, by Joe Biden by turning up in Belfast and Biden getting off the plane and sort of walking straight past him. Uh, all of that stuff, I, I, I understand exactly what Sunak is trying to do. Um, yeah, he's trying to repackage yes. a very, very tired and discredited 13-year-old uh, conservative offer um, for the electorate. He's got just over a year 
well, he's still got 15, 16, 17 months. It's most likely to be September, October 2014, uh, 2024, the next election. He's still got some time, and he's only been in power for four or five months. And in his own terms, given that he's got a rabid right wing, you talked about Suella Brabman and others, um, in his own terms, and he's going to get a kicking in the local elections. Yes, uh, that's in a fortnight's time, isn't it? In a couple of weeks. Yes. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it's like being dealt. You've got, um, you're playing a card game and you look at your hand and you go, oh my God, this is a terrible <laughs> hand. Now, what am I going to do with it? And with this terrible hand, he is not without errors from time to time. He is playing it moderately well. And that then puts the accent back on Starmer. I mean, you know, the saying, the current saying goes in Sunak, you have someone who is rich, competent and intelligent. And in Starmer, you've got somebody who is dull, competent, and intelligent. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a great uh, set of propositions. Whereas if you look back to John Major versus Tony Blair in 1997, uh, even though Blair was incredibly centrist and incredibly wary of antagonizing voters who read the Daily Mail and the Daily Telegraph and, and other and things, the he had, Again, and the son, most, most famously, I forget, yes. <laughs> uh, whose influence is less, much less now than it used to be, by the way. Um, but Blair still had something. He still made people think, yeah, I can believe in, I might have to bite my lip, but I can believe in his proposition. The problem with Starmer at the moment is that he's struggling to do that. His instincts are honorable and are good. And I'm sure that if stroke, when he wins, he will be a, much more competent and much less depressing prime minister than anything that has happened in the last 13 to 15 years. But that's not, that's not quite to gladden the heart to say, you know, I'm going to be less awful than everybody else. But that's the sort of position he's in. And that's he's going to really struggle, I think, to galvanize people if Sunak uh, continues down this competent, um, uh, sort of card playing mantra. And I'm the sort of, I'm the safe pair of hands. And, you know, with that all the while, however, Britain's economy continues to underperform relative to all other economies. Yes. And I mean, he's failed to move the DUP uh, on the Northern Protocol, which yeah. is, uh, there is trouble kind of brewing in the north of Ireland, uh, and that's a problem. But if we widen the lens a bit, and if I were to ask you this, John, how much help do you believe the EU would be prepared to give Sunak to normalise the relationship? And do you feel that's something British people would approve of? Because as I understand it, Something around the order of 65-67% of Britons now think Brexit was a mistake. I don't know. It's, it's one poll I think I saw. They will give him, they will give Sunak some support. His relations with Macron are pretty good. Although Macron himself is in deep trouble, as we know. Yes. Um, the uh, King Charles's visit to Germany was a great success and that helps to a degree because it's not the government that helps uh, improve relations although the planned visit by sunak to berlin keeps on not quite happening but it 
you know, it will happen at some point. The Achilles heel are not the bilateral relations, it's the relations with the European Commission. And that's where the French and the Germans keep on saying, unless or until you start talking to Brussels on all these issues where Brussels has competence, yes. and you start engaging with Ursula von der Leyen, not at the margins of things like the G7, but you go to Brussels and you sit down with UK and EU flags behind you and you talk and you, even as an outsider, I mean, the Canadians have great relationship with the European Union. You can't even be outside it, have very good relations. But they are, the Windsor framework a couple of months ago gave rise to considerable optimism in Brussels. And there is increasing sense that that optimism is not being borne out. The Brits are holding out on Horizon and uh, that's the science and, and tech deal. They want to come back, but they're refusing to pay the money. And once again, they're beginning to say, oh, God, here we go. The Brits are at it again. Whereas there was a sense of greater optimism a couple of, of months ago. If Sunak does sort out the E-Gates issue, it's a yes. little a small thing. It's still an absolute disaster at Dover. But all you're doing is putting a uh, sticking plaster uh, on 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 all these problems, he has yet to develop a good working relationship with the European Union. Let me ask you um, a final question, John, about Johnson. Have we seen the end of Johnson, or is he because he is or has shown himself to be a potent vote winner, both in the referendum? And in the subsequent uh, uh, general election in uh, 2020, and elected twice as London mayor, despite being a, something of a laughing stock, this guy can get the votes in the basket. Have we seen the end of him? I would like to think that we have. <laughs> There's a little part of you, is it? <laughs> I cannot I, I you know, I will not put my entire house on, on that on that um, on that hunch and that proposition. Um if we haven't, then the world's view of Britain will go down even further than it is now. This laughing stock of a country. Um it, you know, I mean, Johnson, all the stuff that has come out since, all the stuff about the parties, all the, yeah. You know, the, the chairman of the BBC and the 800,000 yeah, pound I mean, loan it, is my favourite. chaos and it's sleaze and it's incompetence and it's making it up as you go along. It's people who thought it was funny once, you know, um, must just, if they're not staring themselves in the mirror thinking, oh my God, what on earth did I do uh, supporting this buffoon, this cretin, this dangerous yes. oaf? And, you know, I say that as somebody who is a classic social democrat centre-left. Yes. Um, but it's not because there is a totally honourable tradition of conservatism. Yes. It's not my politics, but, uh, you know, there are conservative figures around the world who are worthy of respect, and Britain should have a Conservative Party that does well and is worthy of respect and uh, carries the Britain's reputation around the world and acts sensibly. Um, and under Johnson, it was the exact 
reverse. So he tarnished not only Britain's reputation, but he also tarnished the reputation, the the long earned uh, reputation of conservative governments being competent and pragmatic. And this is really the final question. When I look at the Tory Party, and I look quite closely at the say English Research Group, and the figures that keep emerging, Dominic Raab being the latest one of them. But well, David uh, Frost, who's come up with his new group as well. Has uh, he? Yeah, yeah I, he was the Europe. extreme, I and mean, he was the negotiator yeah. in Europe. Yeah. Can the Tory party be saved? Well, if they go into opposition, as seems, you know, for all my criticisms of Starmer, notwithstanding, the chances are still very heavily that he will be the next prime minister. Um, Hopefully, he will run Britain competently with a bit of vision. The Conservatives are most likely to go into sort of tailspin and ideological free-for-all. Right. Uh, and a sort of act of sort of right-wing purification. If that happens, then, well, logic suggests they will be in the margins for a very long time. However, you look around the world and you see previously respectable Conservative parties becoming uh, pretty much parties of the far right, not yes. least the Republicans in the, in the United States. Um, and, you know, you look at the centre-right in France doesn't really exist anymore. Yep. It's either Eric Zemmour or it was uh, um, Marine Le Pen. So it is possible for the Conservative Party to purify itself, to be even more extreme than it is now as a sort of English nationalist, um, nativist party. And, you know, who knows what will happen after that. Okay, we're very grateful to you, John, for joining us to talk about what is a very important matter for Britain. It is also important for us and Europe. Uh, that's John Kampfner, and we're grateful to John, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.